welcome to a special Inenco podcast looking at the recent decarbonisation fund for public sector, which has been announced by the government, and looking at some of the frequently asked questions we're hearing from our clients to hopefully help you along your way to applying. It's going to be myself, Beth Goodwin. Um, I'm an account manager in the north for the NHS Trusts, and I'm going to be asking questions to our resident expert, Mr David Oliver. So over to you, David. Thanks very much, Beth. So... The decarbonisation scheme opens on the 30th of September and it runs pretty much to the end of the year. And what it is, is it's a mil- uh, sorry, a one billion pounds worth of grants available from the government. Uh, now, this has partly been done to try and regenerate the economy following COVID or during COVID, um, but also to encourage that money or that recovery to include very good sustainability. Now, for public sector, uh, the fund is mainly geared at looking at heat decarbonisation, but it does also look at other schemes as well, and we'll obviously go into that in a lot more detail. But uh, time is running low on this, so uh, I'm sure you're going to ask me about timetables. I am, but uh, but first, David, I'd just like to, to run through a couple of other things we've been being asked, which is, for the first thing, uh, one of the big concerns, this is a SALIC scheme, so can we just reiterate, uh, is this a grant or is it a loan? It's a grant, so you don't have to pay it back. Excellent. Um, and, and who's eligible? Uh, does it cover all of the public sector? It covers, uh, there, there is a, a defined list. It covers all public sector uh, and it certainly covers the NHS. Excellent. Um, so, yes, I will ask about timescales uh, because I hear they're quite challenging. What, what kind of timescales are we working to here? Well, the final drop dead date for your submission of an application is the 11th of January uh, next year. Uh, which is not that far away when you think about Christmas and other things getting in the way. Um, but there are also interim periods where you can submit applications. And, of course, there is that risk that if it becomes oversubscribed, that the people who put the applications in last may be less successful than the ones that put them in early. And, in fact, there's about four or five stages where applications will be considered, and those people will actually be getting responses to their applications within about two or three weeks. So it's a very fast-moving project. So is it a first-come, first-served basis, David? Well, presumably when the billion pounds is spent, it's spent. So uh, I think I think the answer is yes. Uh, yeah. you know, and there's no limit on the size of the application, so people could be applying for very large amounts of money at the same time. Yeah, uh, and is there is there a limit in terms of delivery of those projects, David? Well, it, it does tend to focus on smaller projects because they're looking for, ideally, for delivery of the project, you know, completion of the projects by the end of March in 2021. Now, they will accept projects going all the way through to 30th of September, but they've indicated that there will be a priority for the projects that they get delivered, delivered faster. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be incredibly challenging for, for some NHS trusts because, I mean, we are asking them to pull together an application for this um, and then actually have the resource to be able to get out and procure it. So does it really sort of limit people to, to companies that are on frameworks already or very fast procurement tenders? It will, it will do. And the other thing, too, is it's really targeting projects that are what we would call oven ready, where they're, you know, it's a project that people know they want to do, but perhaps haven't done it because of a lack of funding. So it is, you know, the priority will always be for projects that are already in the pipeline. Well, when I say in the pipeline, they're, they're ready to go, but they can't go because of lack of funding. Uh, one thing that's not included in this is projects that have already started. So you can't retrospectively claim the grants for a project that's already underway. So it has to be a new project, but ideally one that's almost ready to go. 
Yeah, and are there certain types of projects that we're looking at here? So we've got certain categories, haven't we, I think, under the scheme? Yeah, so they, they've devoted four categories, and the, the first category is the most important one, the, the one they're really trying to push, and that's what they call low-carbon heating. And most people that apply for that category will be looking at uh, installing heat pumps. Um, the second category is much, much wider. It's covering all sorts of energy efficiency. Um, levels three and four are a bit more... Uh, niche but the problem is you can't do just a category two project without also doing category one so in other words you can't put in energy efficiency measures unless you're also going for the low carbon heat sources with one exception and the exception is that you submit your application but also commit to doing a um, heat decarbonization plan before the 30th of september 2021 and we think a lot of people will actually fall into that category because not that many trusts will be in a position at the moment to install a heat pump and use that heat usefully. Yeah, it's going to be very difficult on large buildings, that one, isn't it? It is, yeah. I mean, it's not something you can just retrofit a heat pump. You also have to look at all the downstream infrastructure for heat delivery. Yeah, so I think we're, we're probably going to be talking mostly to trusts here that are going to be looking at their category two, looking at what kinds of projects they might already have been considering um, from their risk register, things that they might want to do. But this heat decarbonisation plan, um, it's, it's going to be quite a big challenge for them, isn't it? The heat decarbonisation, yes. I mean, I mean, the good thing with the heat decarbonisation plan is it makes people think about, if like the end game, what, what they will need to look like by 2050 to be net zero carbon. So once you start considering what your site might look like with just running off heat pumps, you can then start to think about the journey of how to get there. So, for example, you know that you're going to have to start putting in different types of heating, maybe underfloor heating, um, maybe you get bigger air handling units. And that's very important, I think, because if you're going to be doing major refurbishment work or maybe even new buildings between now and 2050, it does help you to consider what you should be doing with those buildings to make sure you're actually building them designed for heat pumps from day one. You know, they, they could initially run on gas boilers, but you could still design them to actually be able to be converted to heat pumps at a later date. And that's much better than actually building a building that, for example, runs on a CHP today and then find that sometime in the next 10 or 20 years, you have to effectively scrap the whole heating system and put a new system in. Yeah, it sounds like uh, it's it will be really useful. And particularly with the new NHS uh, goals for net zero, I'm guessing they'll look quite favourably on decarbonisation plans that are actually more ambitious targets than 2050. Yeah, yeah I mean, the, the at the moment, we know that the NHS will be moving to uh, green electricity next year. And of course, that means that effectively uh, that electricity becomes zero carbon. But what we're not doing is decarbonizing heat. So this is very much focused on the decarbonization of heat. And, you know, ways to do that are to use electric heating through heat pumps, but also to reduce heat consumption through insulation and uh, other sort of control measures, for example. Yeah. And I mean, the great news here is they haven't really just dropped trusts in it. They haven't just dropped this on the on the public sector uh, without considering some of the challenges um, in terms of how to go about it. And they have released this skills fund at the same time, haven't they? So do you want to just yeah. talk us a little bit through what that is? Yeah. So the, it was called the Low Carbon Skills Fund. Uh, and this is it covers a few categories and it's really for you to actually use external uh, technical and specialist support to develop plans. So initially, you might want to be looking at helping you to put together applications for the um, decarbonisation fund. Uh, and if you want to apply for support for that, 
you actually have to have a, an application in before the 4th of December. Um, but of course, you then got to consider that whether you can actually deliver that piece of work between the 4th of December and the 11th of January, which is when the decarbonisation uh, fund finishes. Um, you can also look at external support for other things, such as the uh, uh, project delivery. For, so if you get, a, uh, for example, a grant to put heat pumps in, you actually want support to actually have that project implemented. Uh, and the other th reason you might want external support is to actually deliver the heat decarbonisation plan. And that heat decarbonisation plan is what we were mentioning about looking at what the future will hold and how you can actually get there. And that will also help drive things like your green plan and uh, also any to potential uh, changes to your state over the next 10 or 20 years. Yeah, and I think that for me is the, the real benefit of this scheme uh, and how I would recommend that the NHS trusts look at this if they don't have projects ready on the table. It's an opportunity to actually try and put in place a long term plan for how to decarbonise heat on your estate. Uh, and that's something that you almost certainly will need external help to do. And this skills fund will help you access that funding so that you're not bearing the burden of that. And it should just put you in such a great position to actually start the process. Yeah. And then if you want to uh, uh, get money for the uh, decarbonisation grant scheme for category two measures, which you know could be quite attractive, um, but not a category one measure, then you would have to do the you uh, rather you have to commit to produce the uh, decarbonisation plan, the heat decarbonisation plan before the 30th of September 2021. So your best bet may well be to try and actually get that money or that cost approved by uh, getting a grant from the local carbon skills fund. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think we've covered most of the frequently asked questions that I've been getting from clients and I've been talking to them. Uh, there's just one more thing that I wanted to just talk through, and that's so how does the funding work um, in terms of the actual mechanics of this? Is it going to be sent directly to the trusts? Is it going to be delivered immediately? No, well, I understand that the, the application will obviously look at uh, the cost and perhaps a, a drawdown schedule. Um, and the trust will get given money in line with that drawdown. Uh, they'll have to report back at least monthly to the fund. Uh, the, the fund's obviously able to go and audit those projects to make sure the money's been spent correctly. Uh, and also, if there's any overrun in terms of time or cost, uh, the fund will need to be informed of that. Now, generally speaking, if your project overspends, uh, you'll be liable to pay the, uh, the shortfall. Uh, conversely, if it underspends, you'll have to pay back the uh, component that you've not spent. Excellent, David. I mean, it sounds like a, a standard Salix fund, really, at that point, doesn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the other thing also is that uh, once the project is finished, you then have uh, some monitoring uh, data requirements for about three years, which is obviously to provide information back to uh, Bayes for future schemes. Excellent. Well, that's a quick rundown of the decarbonisation fund, um, what it might mean for you and sort of how you can get assistance. So we'll close there for the day, but send any questions you might have through via the usual route and absolutely take the time to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss out on these in future. But remember, also, remember also time is off the essence for this. Yes, absolutely, David. I mean, this really is going to be a, a snappy one for everyone to deal with. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening, um, and we'll talk to you soon.